0: grateful to be here if i keep coming i'm going to become a tour guide of mud lick (laughs) because i've been on every road in this county i know and probably all the adjoining counties and so i again made a wrong turn tonight and so i apologize for that but uh, we made it and not nearly as bad as i have been i barely made it before and so we got here with six minutes to spare so um, I just want that—that that right there is congratul- congratulatory to my driver Rod and um, his wife Jen, who is the backseat driver and the boss of the crew. And we're glad that uh, they got me here, and uh, they—they've been a blessing to me. And uh, they, you, many of you know them already by now too. And they've been—they love to come up here with me, and so I'm glad I've. Um, since I saw one of the blessings to me tonight was to see Brother Paul standing here and uh, looking good. And uh, In fact, he's been on Slim Fast, too. I can tell that. And I like that. Because I also, I, I was busy praying for Brother Paul in the process of that. On December 29th, I had open heart surgery myself. Uh, three years before that, my wife had died with open heart surgery and not made it out. And so I was very concerned about Brother Paul. I had people praying for him. Rod and Jen was praying for him, others that I knew. And, um, and his uh, sweet wife was kind of keeping me informed and Nick. And so I, I was uh, in the process of that. I came down and um, just by mere providence of God was able to find out what bad of shape I was in. So I suppose been dead a long time ago. I knew that, and I knew some people wished I'd been dead a long time ago. And uh, I was able to come out of that major open-heart surgery in December 29th, February the 20th. I'm back in the pulpit preaching again and been going ever since and um, been grateful for that privilege. A little slow this summer, the last month or two, um, but um, it is my, the rest of this year, I need your prayer I am absolute I'm in four states I think I I've got um, every Sunday except one I'm booked all the way to uh, almost the end of November and most of those are four and five days uh, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, East Tennessee, uh K- Kentucky and and so I just I need your prayer and I appreciate that because we're going to see if this heart will hold out all right I know either way though I knew where I was going and I knew where brother Paul was going but uh, I'd rather seen him come back here, and it's good to see him here. It's a blessing uh, to see him there. And, and I can tell you something, people, I hear people, oh, I just wish I could lose weight. Get, go in and have some heart in a situation, and you can get rid of it in a hurry. Amen? I came out of the hospital, I lost 22 pounds in seven days. I weighed 150 pounds when I came out of the hospital. And it ain't none of your business what I weigh now, but I weighed 150 when I came out of the hospital. And so it's a good bit more than that now, and I'm grateful for it. So uh, thank you for letting me come back. Turning your Bibles tonight to Isaiah chapter 50. I preached this message uh, not long ago one time, and um, it was so much noise going on that day. There was so much confusion in the church I was preaching at. Uh, I, I think every kid in there uh, wet their diaper or and their mama poked them with a pen or slapped them or something. It was the biggest... I've never seen such confusion going on in church. In fact, Rod and Jen happened to be there that day. And I just wasn't satisfied with preaching that message the way that I felt like it ought to be preached. And it's been on my heart. And I think it'll help you tonight. I didn't come to chew you out tonight... I come to help you, and of course, sometimes when I'm helping you, it sounds like I'm chewing you out, but I love you anyway, alright? So, Isaiah chapter number 50, the book of Isaiah is that beautiful book that talks about Jesus. It's just Jesus, 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 all the way through Isaiah, and when you get to Isaiah chapter number 50, he gives us some encouraging words for those of us who love Jesus, serve Jesus, but yet there's times that just, just flat seemed like Jesus is nowhere around. You ever had those days? just seems like he's. we know He's real, we believe He's real, but we don't sense He's real. And this is what I want to talk to you about tonight, Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 10. Listen to what the Bible says. Now those first verses lead us up to that, because here is God telling some, some people that He's able to do just about anything. Uh, but it wasn't because God couldn't do it, it's because they wouldn't allow Him to do it. And so he begins to remind them, he's still the God he's always been. But in verse number 10, he asked them a question. He said, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, and that obeyeth the voice of my servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord, and stay upon his God. Behold all ye that kindle a fire, and that compass yourselves about with sparks, Walk in the light of your fire and the sparks that you have kindled, and this shall you have of my hand. You shall lie down in sorrow. In other words, don't try to create God's will. Wait for God's will. So I want to talk to you tonight on this subject tonight. The discipline of darkness. Darkness the discipline of darkness, or you might want to call it this, how to worship in the dark. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness, and thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing this church with the preacher back and in the pulpit, and thank you for this church who stuck with him and his dear sweet wife, and thank you for the fellowship and the bond they have here. And Thank you for what you've done in this church the last couple of years and um, over the years. But thank you especially for how you're moving among them and for the sweet spirit that's been here um, every time I've been and how good that they've been to me. And I pray you'll bless this church tonight. Help somebody that may be hurting. Help somebody who may be struggling. Help somebody who may feel lonely, who may feel empty tonight. Help somebody who don't even know where to go or what to do tonight. Bless us all. And help us with our struggles in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe there come points in the life of a believer when you will go through with or you will wrestle with deep despair and darkness. I don't particularly like the word depression because it's become to be used purely as a medical term. And I do not believe that depression is always a medical term. I think it's a spiritual problem a spiritual need that happens in our life. And I do not mean that you will necessarily have all kinds of troubles and problems in your life, although they may accompany going through what we call in the theological circles of the past, the darkness of the soul, or the dark days of the soul. A time when absolutely nothing makes sense. Life don't make sense. What God's doing don't make sense. Things seems to be empty and barren. A time when we have no idea, not even the foggiest, what God is up to in our life or what God is up to at all. There just seems to be no light. And I believe that if I ever have seen that condition in our world, I see it now. I see it in homes, I see it in families, I see it in communities, I see it in cities, I see it in our state, I see it in the United States. I see it globally around the world, a world where we don't have a clue what God is up to. And even those of us who know God sometimes are wondering, what in the world is God doing? It just seems dark. just seems dark. And so, tonight I want to help you. It's, it's something about when the lights go off. Now, before we had electricity, it wasn't a big deal, really, you know. wasn't a big deal. But we've gotten so used to electricity. We've gotten so used to flipping a switch and the light comes in. We've got, we don't even have to flip a switch anymore. We just wave our hand or walk into the room and our motion cuts it on. We've gotten so used to light. When they go out, we panic, don't you? Now, if you lived where I live, at least four times every week, my electricity is going out. And i got to go back and set all them stupid digital clocks in my house. You know what I'm talking about? And I hate that. It makes me so mad. I want to call up the electric company and, and fuss. But I know it's probably because somebody's too cheap to fix something or don't know what they're doing. But anyway, it's off and on all the time. But if you, I don't know, it hadn't been a few, few weeks ago. In fact, I just, it just happened to be the week where it got up to 100. It was 95, 98, 96. And my air conditioner went out because my electricity went off. Well, it normally just stays off for a few minutes and it's back on. But this time, it stayed off for five or six hours. Now, I want to tell you something. That brought panic to my soul. Ninety-eight degrees, and it was no air conditioning, and no lights in my house, and it was night, and it was just a difficult time. Well, sometimes that happens spiritually in our life. I mean, we're just going along, rocking along. We hadn't done anything wrong, and all of a sudden... Their condition goes off because the electricity's off. And our life, we begin to panic. There's anxiety takes place. And sometimes spiritually we have to figure that out. That don't mean necessarily we've messed up. Don't you get that tonight? You're going to experience in your life the dark night of the soul, even in the daytime. You will read your Bible and there'll be no light. You will pray And it seems like you get no answers. You will begin to wonder, it must be sin in my life. There's something wrong that I've done. And so you'll confess every sin you know. In fact, you'll make up some and confess it. But nothing seems to work. You see decisions that need to be made. You see plans that ought to be made. You see courses of action that ought to be taken. But there is no leadership to do it. There's no movement. There seems to be no God of direction involved. In other words, your path just don't have any light and you don't really know why. Now when those times have been my times, I feel like those times have also been some of your times. We all face this. So what do you do? What do you do when the lights go out? What do you do when things get dark? I was this past week in a foreign country and there in that country, I was in a cave, and in that dark cave, uh, it had been a cave to where slaves had hidden on the slave market way back hundreds of years ago, and inside that cave, it was went down deep, even though it was surrounded by salt water, down deep in the heart of that cave was a freshwater pool to which the slaves could hide and drink out of that pool. And it had no light. So they had to make their way down in the dark to this lower place so that they could drink water because they could not light a match. They could not light a torch. They could not build a fire because if they did, any smoke that went up through any crack somewhere in the cave that came out above would give away their identity. And so they made their way somehow in the dark. They was able to step by step make their way in the dark to get enough water to survive by in that tomb and to find a way to eat in the darkness of that cave. And that's exactly what God is telling us tonight. Sometimes we live in a place where we've still got to be drinking of the water of life. We've still got to be eating of the bread of life. But we cannot light our own fire. Because if we do, we'll wind up in trouble. We have to wait on God to deliver us from the cave. So here's the first thing I want you to notice. First of all, I want you to notice the probability of darkness in verse number 10. Darkness is not unusual in the life of... Of a Christian. Remember that. A kind of darkness that can come to the life of a believer. Who if you look at this text is one who obeys God. Is faithful to God. Loves God. Serves God. And yet there is a type of darkness that comes to their soul. No it's not the darkness of condemnation. It's not the darkness of damnation. It's not the darkness of of sinfulness. It's not that kind of darkness. It's a spiritual darkness that comes to our life that we cannot explain. Job said it this way. He said, He maketh my path darkness. Job again in Job 19.8 said, He hath fenced up my way, but I cannot pass. He has set darkness in my path. Job again in chapter 30 said this, When I Waited for light, there came darkness. In Job's life, for years, he went through a time to when even the light seemed like darkness unto him. In fact, look at the testimony here of these people he's talking to in, in the book of Isaiah. Look at their testimony. As you see, first of all, he says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the way of his Servant, So you see him, first of all, his testimony is among you. He's among the people. He hadn't quit church. He hadn't dropped away from God's people. He hadn't quit going to synagogue. He hadn't quit gathering to hear the Word of God. He hadn't turned anything on God. He's doing every bit of that. He's got a testimony that he is among the people of God. You see, some people go through these periods of time, "I don't get anything out, so I just stay at home. That's your problem." And you'll stay in darkness until you learn that that's not what God wants for the solution to your darkness. But these testimony was people who said, "I'm among the people." And then not only that, we fear God. There weren't people who didn't fear God. I mean, they were to the point, not only that, they were obeying preaching. Look, we obey the voice of your servant. When we hear the word, we do what you say. We want to obey you, God. We love you, God. These are good, godly people he's talking to here, not folks who disobeyed God. And yet, listen to their testimony what kind of people they are. But then, look at their trail, their path. It's just dark. They they, they have no bud blazing the trail. They, they have nothing to do. They have nowhere to go. They don't see where they're going. Our trail, even though they're the best God has, their trail seems to be dark. And then look at their trust. He said they have, they walk in darkness and have no light. So what do you do? Let them trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon His God. Look, they they not only have a great testimony, but yet their trail is dark, but look at their trust is strong. They're leaning on God through this time. The fact is, is when the lights come on, God don't even have to explain why they went out. You see, some of our problems with God is we want God to tell us the reason for everything and God don't always do that. First of all, we wouldn't get it. We just wouldn't get it. Second of all, it wouldn't produce in us what God wants to produce in us if God explained everything because it would take no faith for that. We don't live on explanations. We live by faith. We don't live on explanations. We live by promises. And so here, when the lights go out, God don't necessarily tell them why. And when they come back on, He don't necessarily tell them why they went out. He never, did you, when you read the book of Job, read it. God never explained to Job why all that happened. Not one time do we find where God ever gave Job An explanation except one thing he told him is to pray for his friends. Oh, real good friends they were. But God said pray for them. It's the only thing really he ever said. He never told him why. You remember we read the book of Job and we are in on that conversation in heaven. But Job wasn't. He didn't hear what the devil and God was talking about. If he'd have got in on that conversation, he said, God, if it's the same to you, just leave me out of this conversation. But no, God said, what do you think about my servant Job? The devil said, take your heads about him, and I'll show you what he is. And God said, do what you want to to him, and I'll show you what he is. But God never explained that to him. But Job never changed. He stayed on his God. So darkness comes in your life. It's not unusual. It's not unusual. John the Baptist was one who seemed to be in the dark. I mean, maybe one of the hardest preachers we ever know, maybe one of those most solid living people, the most separated Christian we know. In fact, Jesus said about him, there's not a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. And yet, when it comes time for his head to be cut off, he said, whoa, 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 somebody go down there and ask him, is he really the one or should I wait for somebody else? And uh, if I'm going to get my head cut off. I want to make sure he's the right one. So there was that moment of doubt. If it's going to cut your head off, wouldn't you have a little doubt in your mind? You'd want to know for sure who you were dying for. So then when he found out he was willing to do it, in the book of Lamentations chapter 3, verses 2 and 6, both of those verses, Jeremiah says, God led him into darkness. Led him into darkness. So where it's doubt or discouragement or disappointment or or disparagement, whatever comes in your life, not a sinful thing necessarily caused it. It can, but when you're fearing the Lord and obeying God and leaning on your God, you don't have to have guilt about not knowing which direction to take for right now. Don't beat yourself up because the world has become chaotic. Don't beat yourself up because you don't know exactly where God is headed. You don't have to. You just have to trust Him. So darkness is not unusual. Secondly, darkness is unannounced. (laughs) When God decides to have darkness come in your life, He don't come and say, Now get ready, this coming Tuesday... September the whatever, 13th, 14th, that's when your darkness is going to come, so get ready. He doesn't do that. Same thing with when our electricity go out. They don't call me up. That brother Glenn's electricity is going to be off. I know it's 100 outside, so get ready. I'm going to cut your electricity off in about, four, about, about two days. No, they don't call me up. It just goes out. So sometimes God allows darkness and it's unannounced. You don't know when it's coming. Job didn't know that was coming. He was living it up time of his life. Everything was going his way. Oh, boom, darkness. Here it comes. It comes unannounced. Third thing is darkness is not unfruitful. It's not unusual. It comes to all believers. It's not it's unannounced. We don't know necessarily when it may show up. It may show up several times in our life and then it's not unfruitful. In other words, what I mean by that is the fruit of the Spirit sometimes blossoms in the darkness. It's hard to explain that, but you can only see the stars in the dark. Don't you think that's amazing? You can only see the stars. In the dark. And uh, it's amazing that you can see better in the daytime when the closest star to us is the sun. We see better then, but at nighttime, we see further in the dark. Uh, Are y'all with me? You see, we can see a lot better by the closest star in the daytime, but at nighttime, we can see further. Because of the furthest star. And so when God puts us in a time of darkness, He's setting us up so that we can see further. Because now we have to live by faith and not by sight. And so darkness, the fourth thing I want you to notice about this, is darkness is not unending. Thank God it it too shall come to pass. It shall pass. It will not stay forever. It emerges out of its out of a stronger person out of that darkness we emerge is stronger and stronger because our darkness will not always stay with us, our darkness will end and when job's darkness ends, what happened to job? He got. Oh, more than what he had lost. He became stronger than he ever was before. Richer than he ever was before. He even got ten more kids. God help him. God blessed him with ten more kids. You say, well, he took ten. Yeah, he had ten in heaven and ten on earth. Doubled his kids. Now you say, that ain't a blessing. Well, it ain't now, but it was then. Because that was ten farm hands. Amen? But today, ten kids. Whoa, man, I'd shoot myself if I had ten kids. In fact, I shoot myself over for people. other people I have seen has got ten kids. But in that day, to have ten kids was a blessing because that was ten more farmers you had, ten more workers you had. He said, well, my kid don't work. Well, that's your fault. You bust that hide for them and they'll work. He said, well, they're 23. I can't whip them now. No, but you can kick them out of the house. All it takes is a pair of cowboy boots. Go to work or you don't live here no more. Help pay the bills, and you don't live here no more. So, in that day, 10 kids was God doubled his blessings, even with children. If you've got children, thank God for them, okay? Because the Bible says that you're, in the book of Psalms, he clearly calls them blessings over and over. I know some days you want to kill them, and some days they seem like more of a curse than a blessing. But I'll guarantee you, when life is done and you're at the end of your days, You'll say, my kids was my blessings. So, darkness is not unfruitful, and thank God it's not an ending. All of a sudden when we come out of it, things start to make sense. Life begins to take on a different perspective. Uh, The trails begin to get brighter. The paths begin to get clearer. The preaching becomes more sensible. Things become better. When we come out of that dark, it's unending. There's the darkness of that Christian di- dilemma. There's that temporary loss of conscious, apparent, leading, and loving of God. Even though it's there, we don't sense it, we don't feel it. And it's a time when we don't see God doing anything, anywhere, through anybody. No answers, no explanations. But then all of a sudden, the darkness ends and we begin to see everything back. And stronger, and we've learned some things. So that's the first thing. Let me hurry for the second thing. What is the procedure for darkness? What do you do? How do you handle life when it comes dark? When when, when things is shaky? When you don't exactly know where to go, what to do, how to fix it, how to handle it? You just don't know. I don't guess there's ever been a day in American history that we've ever been any more frustrated than we are. What do we do? Well, I know what we want to do. We want to take an AK to Washington, D.C. That's what we want to do. But we can't do that. You can shoot one and there will probably be two more pop up in their place anyway. You can't do that. So what do we do? Even in our family, when things just looks like, man, nothing seems to be gelling here. Just nothing's working. Nothing's coming. There don't seem to be no future happening. We don't know what to do, God. Well, here's the procedure. Look. First of all, look who he said in verse number 10. First of all, he says, look to the Lord. Look what he said. Let him, get this, underline let. Let him... Trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon His God. So the first thing God says you do, when you go into a dark time in your life, into a frustrating time, in a confusing or doubtful or discouraging time in your life, what do you do? What's the procedure you go through? First of all, He says, look. To the Lord. In other words, let Him, the one in your darkness that no one else can get into, is Him. Let Him trust in the name of the Lord. Trust in the name of the Lord. Let Him to do. In other words, Isaiah, he said, tell them to let me into their life. Let me be their light when they cannot see. You don't know a lot of things at the time. When these dark things comes, you don't think, what well, nothing good will ever come out of this, but I could sit up here all night and rattle to you all the things over 45 years that I thought I was absolutely spinning my wheels. I've even looked back on times to think those were the most worthless days in my life, and yet out of those dark times, God did amazing things so you look to the lord knowing that i'm not in this thing for no reason at all i was a guy came up to me not long ago and this is what he said to me he said brother man you don't know this but when you was pastor 21 years ago i came to your I wasn't a member of your church i didn't attend your church but 21 years ago he said you preached god moved folks were saved I made myself out and slipped to the edge of the altar. Our church was pretty wide and, and pretty large at, at around the front. So he said, hey, I come to the very edge of the altar, almost hidden, and I knelt on my knees and I gave my heart to Christ and I got saved. said, you never knew it and I never told you, but 21 years ago I got saved that day at that altar. You say, I don't I don't know what the days were going through in my life. might have been one of them Sundays when I was frustrated to the gills. But on that day, God did something I didn't know anything about, but He was doing it anyway. That's why we look to the Lord. I don't have any power. You don't have any power, but He does. A six- or seven-year-old boy came to me several years ago on vacation Bible school. I don't know how I met the young kid. But somehow I found out his daddy was dying with cancer. He was a drunk, a rough family, a very rough family. I went to an old trailer and they led me back in an old dark room back into that little old bitty trailer just big enough for a hospital bed and there laid a man in his 40s it looked like he was 100. He was rotting away with cancer, dying. This little boy got mad at God. He was mad at everybody. He wouldn't talk. And I remember he asked me to go talk to his dad. It's the only words he ever said, would you go see my daddy. And I didn't know this little boy, didn't know the family. I met the wife. She was not what I would call virtuous. And I went back and came to two or three times. I finally led that old boy to the Lord before he died and preached his funeral. That little boy, his name was Luke. I forget Luke. And Luke was so bitter he wouldn't talk. He was mad because he lost his daddy. The only thing that was important in life, you know how much. I guess just two years ago, I was running for office and I remember getting a call from him one day. He said, Brother Glenn, I want you to know, I want you to come by my house and put a sign in my yard. I didn't know who it was and he told me his name. And I said, man, I sure appreciate that. And I said, I appreciate you supporting me. And this is what he said. He said, you led me to Christ and my dad to Christ. How could I not support you? I didn't have no idea what God was doing. In fact, it was a dark period of time when I looked in their lives and their family had no money. They had nothing. And now he's a grown man doing well for himself. God's blessing him. You don't ever know what God is doing. was Ted and Rod and Jen I met a family this week remember four or five years ago when they had the shooting in the church in Texas and in that church in that shooting that day in that little bitty small church in a little small town in Texas there was a man came in because he had been abusing his wife she had went to live with her mom and dad to get away from him. took her kids and he came to church that Sunday morning to kill her and he walked into the church and killed her there in that church and I'm I'm not sure where he killed others I can't remember but you remember the two men rose up in the church who had pistols and shot that killer and kept him from killing the rest of that family he meant to kill the mama, the daddy and anybody else that got in the way and I don't know how many he killed but I do know he killed the daughter and I got to sit beside this week and talk to his the mom and daddy of that girl who was killed and they were almost killed he told me he said brother Glenn it was one of the hardest times in our life he said I want you to know, at that time, our church, we had about 50 people. That's all we had in our little old town. Just about 50 people struggled to do that. We struggled to get by. said, today... Five years later, we have 250 people every Sunday morning. We're busting at the seams. We've had to even go by another building so we can have church. And said so we went down to another town a few miles away that didn't have a good church and we started a church down there. And they're now running more than we was running in our first church before we ever got there. And So what looked like a dismal, awful time of darkness has turned into a fruitful time of evangelism. Of that family and that church you say why did God do it that way well first of all God didn't do it that way God used it that way folks I want to tell you something the truth will set you free even when you can't see so God will do what he said so he said first of all look to the Lord our first reaction is to not ask why let's quit it and fuss at me, I do the same thing. Quit asking why, God, why? These last ten years I've had more why's in my head than I can even, I can even imagine. Why? I don't need any of those why's. I, God don't have to answer one of my questions. That's not necessary. All I need to do is to lean on Him and trust His promises. God has under no obligation to explain to us. And if He did, we'd never grasp it. You can find that clearly said in Romans 11, verse 33 and 35. And when you read Isaiah 50, He clearly goes through in those other nine verses and tells them all the things He would have done and could have done if they'd have let Him done. And then He comes and says, when those darkness comes... Just look to the Lord. When your pathways is dark, you look to the Lord. He's the only one who can lead you. When your preaching is tough, preacher, you know what I'm talking about. There's days when preaching just seems like you're pedaling uphill on your bicycle and your chain's been slipping all the way. You know, it's just days like that. You say, "Well, why do you keep preaching?" I'll tell you why. Because Isaiah in chapter 6, when God told him to preach, and he told him, he said, when you preach, they're not going to hear you. They're not even going to listen to you. They're not going to see what you say. They've already hardened their hearts. So Isaiah said, why, why in the world should I preach in Isaiah 6? And he said, how long should I do it, God? And God said, until the cities lie waste and there's no inhabitants there. And he said, in other words, you keep preaching until there's not a body left to preach to. Keep preaching. Darker light you preach. And praying. When those days get dark, Luke 18 describes those days when Jesus is teaching on prayer and when He gets to verse number 8, the things God says, here's what I want to know when all these troubles come and when darkness comes, will I find faith when I come? So that means today when in our dark we keep on praying even though we don't see an answer right now. We keep on reading our Bible even though it doesn't seem to speak to us right now. We keep on preaching the Word even though people don't give a rip about what we're saying. We keep on visiting even though those people don't respond to what we're doing. We keep on attending our church even though it don't seem like nothing is happening. We keep on loving people even though they don't love us back. And we keep on living for God whether anybody else lives for God or not. We do. In our darkness. So we look to the Lord. We lean upon our Lord. Stay upon our God. That means to put all of our support totally upon Him. It's the very same word that's used in Psalm 23, verse number 4. For thy rod and thy staff... They do comfort me. In other words, he lean. you lean, you stay upon His God. You lean upon that staff because that staff also can become a rod. And that staff not only holds us up when we need it, but it beats the enemy off when we need it as well. Protects us with that rod. So we lean on the Lord. We look to the Lord and then we leave it to the Lord. In verse 11, Do not light your own fire. Don't listen to what everybody's telling you to do when you've got no peace from God to do it. Hear me, church. Hear me. You've been through a time in this church's life in the last few years, and you did exactly what God wanted you to do. You waited until God said, move. If you'd have lit your own fire... And you'd have pushed through and done things without thinking and done things just to move ahead of God. No telling how it might have turned out. i tell you how. You'd have laid down in sorrow by taking the steps that God led you to take and following the will that God led you to and loving your preacher through all that stuff and loving each other through all that stuff. Look what God's done for you. didn't light your own fire. Someone else put your fire out and God lit you a fire. That's what He's saying. Don't make things happen when you don't have any leadership from God at all. So listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Half of us don't hear a thing He says. We just got our own ideas about what we do. If you're in the darkness, it doesn't mean something has gone wrong in your life. God is just going to pull you through the discipline of darkness he withdraws the light, so when he turns it on again, you won't light your fire, but he will. He teaches us in the dark not to light a fire until he does, and when he does, you go by the light. You say, "What do you?" That don't make sense to me. Okay, let's look at it this way. You remember when they come to get Jesus in the garden? Peter said, no, you won't. I'll light a fire. And he cut off Malchus' ear. And Jesus said, don't do that. Put your sword up. And he reached down and got that bloody nasty ear and stuck it back on the head of Malchus. I wish I could do that. Amen? You know, wouldn't that be great? But you know what Peter did? He lit his own fire. Almost cost him his life. Almost could have got him all killed had it not been for Jesus. Because he lit his own fire. Let me give you another. You remember Abraham? Him and Sarah decided, hey, we can't have a kid and God's not coming through. So we'll just get Hagar and we'll have us a baby anyhow. And they did. They had a good His name was Ishmael. And look at the mess it's caused us for 5,000 years now. And we're still dealing with it today. The Arab nation was born. Jacob decided he'd cheat Esau. He wouldn't wait on God. He couldn't wait on God to give him the birthright. No, no, no. Because it didn't seem like that's the way it ought to work. It didn't look like it was happening. God wasn't doing anything, so I'll just help God out. I'll cheat my, my brother out of this thing. And look what it cost him. 21 years of labor and hurt. Wound up marrying a woman he didn't love to get to the one he did love and then mistreated the one that he didn't love. You see, lighting your own fire can get you in trouble. Moses decided he'd do it. God raised him up, put him in Egypt. I'm here, I'm the man, I can get it done. God's not doing nothing, so I'll do it. So he goes out and kills an Egyptian and sets the work of God back 40 years. So this is what God is saying to us. When things get dark and you think you have a solution but you have no peace from God about it, you have no leadership from God about it, you have no Bible on it, you have no promise on it, you have no leadership, what do you do? You don't light your fire because if you do, you'll lie down in sorrow. And I'm learning the hard way. (laughs) I'm learning the hard way. And what I do, I never know how it's going to go now for four years I've been on my own I've been had my own ministry and been on my own and I have I have some some regular support very little, it comes and goes and and my meetings sometimes I'll be booked to the gills and then all of a sudden I'll have a big blank in my schedule and I'll get all frustrated and I think well boy I better start sending out some resumes, I better start getting me some pamphlets made up, I better buy me some ads I better get, get, get some pop ups on Facebook, I better do something so I can get to preaching but God says, you leave it alone, let me handle that. And in four years, I've been in over 100 churches. By the end of this month, be 110 or 15 churches. By the end of the fall, 110 or 15 churches in four years. And part of that time, I was disabled. So, I, I mean, listen, folks, it was not up to me to light that fire. It's God's business to light that fire. You can make stuff happen if you want to. You can push things through if you want to. You can arrange things your way. You can scheme at it if you want to. But you'll lie down in sorrow. And I don't want that. Because I think I've had it before. A guy called me this week, and I'm just about through, so don't y'all get too panicky. A guy called me this week. He said, Brother Glenn, how did you do that over the years? How did you make those decisions? How did you build this? And how'd you build, how did you build it? How did that church turn into what it turned into? And I said, I'm going to just be honest with you. Most of the time, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. All I know is every time I needed to do something, God told me how to do it. Because I look on it now, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing most of the time. But when it came time to do it, I knew exactly how to do it, when to do it, what to do. And not everybody approved of it. And some even people said, well, that'll never work. But bless God, it did. After a while, I had people calling me saying, how do you do that? I didn't do it. God did. But He just showed me how. was too stupid to know myself. <laughs> he just showed me how. Oh, I had some great ideas, but God didn't agree with any of them. Imagine that. But when I quit lighting my own fires and started letting God light the fire, He lights some pretty nice fires so I'm going to say to you, when things is not going right, don't mean you've got to go find you a new job or you've got to go to Alaska and work six months and come home and try to make enough money to feed your family. Don't mean you've got to do something crazy. You don't mean you have to move on. Well, things are not going good in our marriage, so i go find me another one. You'll get a worse one. They may look better, but they'll be a devil to live with. Amen. And you remember, if they'll cheat on you, they'll cheat. They'll cheat with you. They'll cheat on you. Woo! I'm preaching. <laughs> it's just the way it is. So when we're witnessing, it seems useless and. we're praying it feels like no one's at home and we're preaching it seems like you're fighting the fire and can't put it out you just keep on obeying you keep on tithing you keep on forgiving you keep on serving and you keep on living and if you're sinning you quit sinning and repent of your sin and wait for God to give you a path to walk by that will be as clear as day so in this day of darkness to which we live right now there's not a lot of things we can do but there's one thing we can do We can look to the Lord. There's two things we can do. We can lean on the Lord. There's three things we can do. We can listen to the Lord. And here's the promise, and I'm through. In Psalm 18, God tells David a promise that none of us should never forget. It's one of those chapters in the Psalms that... I guess if you've ever been discouraged or if you've ever been frightened or if you didn't know what to do, Psalm 18 just seems to be one of those that can help you out. Because in Psalm 18, in verse number 28, listen to what date God says For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Now listen to what it says For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God I have leaped over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him and then he says it is God that girds me with strength and maketh my way perfect and get this he maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me up on high places and he teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms In verse 36 thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet be not slipped. David said, "It looked like I couldn't win anywhere, but God turned me into a warrior from heaven. God turned me into a man who could leap over a wall, who could run through armies and take them all down. Who could, no matter how narrow his steps was, he could enlarge his path, and he could stand like a deer on the side of a cliff. I've been to Getty, where those little bitty sheep, little bitty deer, goat deer, whatever they are." little bitty animals, you look upon the side of the cliff, two or three hundred feet in the air, it looks like they're standing on mid-air. They have nothing under their feet, but they're standing. That's what David's talking about. When it looked like I had nowhere to stand, God enlarged my steps. And so when it looks like you don't know where to go, what to do, you don't have another move to make, God will make a way. And so that's why he says, just wait on me. And that's why David would fight in the daytime and pray all night. Because in the daytime, God would make a way where there was no way. You know, it's amazing to me that God uses that same description. There's a book in the Bible called Habakkuk. How many ever read Habakkuk? I, I know you have to look in the book, in front of the book to find it. Okay, I understand. It's one of those Old Testament books. But the book of Habakkuk is about a man who is upset because God won't do something about the wickedness. And he said, God, how long am I going to have to wait? And God goes through a procedure. But by the time we get to the end of Habakkuk in chapter 4, God uses Psalm 18, those same kind of descriptions. He said he sets his feet like hinds' feet upon the high places that you cannot slip. So Habakkuk came into the book complaining. And he goes out of the book shouting because God took him through a dark place and brought him to a light place because he trusted him. And this is what he told Habakkuk four times in the Bible. God says this. Two of those was in times of darkness. He said, Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. Just means you've been saved. So if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, you can't claim that promise. You can't live by faith till you've been saved by faith. But you can be saved by faith. And that darkness of sin God can take you out of. That darkness of slavery God can set you free from. That darkness of eternal punishment that's coming, God can get that away from you if you'll come to Jesus and believe that He died on the cross for your sin paid for all your sin, made a way for you to go to heaven. And by faith in Him, you can receive Him into your life to save you. If you'll do that tonight, Jesus not only will save you, but when He saves you, you can walk with Him by faith. That means you just keep the same faith that you trusted Him to save you with. It's the same faith you live by every day. If He can save you from sin and hell, He can get you through the day. Can I get an amen? amen? And so tonight, the just shall live by faith. He says it four times in Scripture. The just, those that saved, shall live by faith. When well, my wife died, I've told this, maybe even told you that, people came to us and said, to my two girls, and to myself, they said, uh, Brother Glenn, how did you make that? 47 years, marriage. How did you make... How did y'all go through that like you did? Now, grant you, this past year was tough on my girls because I was in the very same hospital, very same operating room, very same uh, intensive care, very same room three years before my wife had died in. A little hard for my kids to get through that, but we did. And people said, how did you get through that? We even had nurses at the hospital come and say, how did y'all do this? Watch her... Like this 24 days unconscious. How did you do that knowing that she was no doubt not going to make it? How did you sit and do that? And this was the only explanation we had. We got saved by faith. We've walked by faith. We've lived by faith. Surely we can die by faith. Now if you hadn't been there yet, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ so when you come to that time not only can you die by faith but the folks who know you can die knowing that you had faith not sitting weeping over where daddy went or mama went or the kids went but knowing that they had a testimony that they had faith in Jesus Christ so I want us to close our eyes, bow our heads and tonight let's get personal Let's just get down and personal tonight. Maybe there's some of you going through a dark time in your life. I may not even hit on any of the situations. I don't have to. The Holy Spirit will right now. It may be in your family. maybe may be in your own personal heart nobody even knows about but you and God. It, 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 you may be struggling even though maybe there's no real problems in your life. Something is just dark in your soul. It feels like an emptiness and loneliness there. And, and, and you're serving God and you love God and you're living for God and you don't get it. Or maybe you're just frustrated with all the things that's going on around you and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to handle them. And tonight there's just, you're struggling with, with living in a world that seems to have outrun us, a world that seems to overwhelm us, a world that seems to just be beating us up every day. What do you do? And I wonder tonight if some of you just slip up out of your seat and walk down to this altar and get on your knees or if you're not able to kneel to sit on this front, one of these pews around here and just... Just by the effort, putting your head in your hands and saying, God, tonight, help me not to try to light my own fire. Help me not to create a panic situation. Help me not in my anxiety to do something foolish. God, help me to trust you no matter what. Help me to believe you no matter what. And tonight, I commit my life to live by faith and to love you with all my heart. And no matter what happens, I'll keep being faithful. I'll keep serving I'll keep living and loving for you. I wonder if you tonight you'd come and just deal with that and say, "God, in this darkness, give me the confidence that I can trust you no matter what. Restore my confidence tonight, that I can trust you, no matter what. And those of you who are not saved, you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven, but you know in your heart you'd go to hell, and you know Jesus loves you and will save you. Why don't you come tonight? Take a preacher's hand and say, I want to give my heart to Christ tonight. I want to get saved. I want to be born again. I want God to change my life. I want to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus and be saved. I want to be saved by faith tonight. Father, speak to us now. Oh, God, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to stand, please. If Brother Paul, if you feel like it or able, you come and be here. And I want to ask you tonight,